0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. Today the business at hand is the business of rescuing, sheltering, at least temporarily, and trying to adopt into good homes 70 million cats and dogs in the United States. It's estimated that for every homeless person in the U.S., there are five times as many homeless cats and dogs, and with over 8 million cats and dogs entering our shelters each year, the need for organizations that help to alleviate this problem is is truly paramount. One organization that's playing a very vital role in helping to temporarily shelter and find good homes for cats and dogs is the Atlanta Humane Society. Today... I'm very pleased to have as my guest the executive director of the Atlanta Humane Society, Cal Morgan. He is president, and he is the CEO for the Atlanta Humane Society. Welcome to the Business Hour, Cal.
2: Thank you, Ron. It's a delight to be with you this morning,
1: Cal. Let's let's um, start off by going a little bit beyond my characterization of the of the magnitude of the condition of of, of homeless uh, cats and dogs. And m- m- by information that, that I have reviewed it, it seems that that number is is overly uh, over 7 million, 70 million. And if you uh, add that 70 million, I might add, is for cats. If you add homeless dogs to that estimate, I would imagine that's well over 100 million Uh, combined Um, so do we have any idea do we think that the um, statistics in the Atlanta metro area for example which is probably uh, a reasonable cross section of American metropolitan areas do we have any idea of what the magnitude of the problem is uh, in the Atlanta metro area
2: well Ron I think your numbers are, are as reasonable as any numbers that we can can get, you know, tracking animals who are homeless is a tremendously challenging thing statistically to try and get our arms around, but we do know that all of the shelters that we work with and are aware of in Atlanta metropolitan and actually throughout the state um, are all very, very full. We know that there are tremendous amounts of these animals, tremendous numbers that are being euthanized every year um, needlessly. And so, um, you know, if you look at just the problem, the scope is huge, as you pointed out. I think it's really difficult for us to get a real handle on this. We know that the numbers are large. We know that um, particularly when you get into the rural communities, it gets even worse uh, because there's just not much service going on there. So, Um, While I can't give you a a number, I can certainly tell you that the problem is is extensive.
1: Well, I know that the Atlanta Humane Society uh, takes in uh, many thousands of pets every year, um, and that uh, of those pets, a number of those pets actually do get adopted in a little bit. We'll talk about the adoption process and... uh, what the Atlanta Humane Society is doing to find good homes. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the Atlanta Humane Society organization itself. How long has it been in existence? And, and tell us a little bit about how it has evolved. Because if there are listeners out there who want to follow along and, and go to www.atlantahumane.org, you can see that there's a, an extensive range of, uh, Of programs, and uh, it's quite a a sophisticated organization in many respects, uh, with a uh, a, a, an army of volunteers that support the organization, which we'll talk about later as well. But tell me a little bit about when the uh, Atlanta Humane Society came into existence, and a little bit about how it's evolved.
2: Well, it's an it's actually Atlanta's oldest charitable organization. uh, Interesting thing to note Um, our history is very interesting how we started, we go back to 1873 and in the city of Atlanta the community was recovering from the aftermath of the Civil War devastation and um, the great Confederate General Robert E. Lee made a visit to Atlanta and he remarked to some of the city leaders that the conditions for working horses in the city were deplorable in his opinion, and we all know he uh, was famous for his his um, horsemanship uh, in the war and uh, his his fondness for horses in particular. And so, um, sometime after he left the city, there was uh, uh, a gathering of primarily the wives of many of the industry barons of the time, and they decided to form a society that would. Uh, advocate for and improve the condition of working horses in the city of Atlanta. So fast forward about a hundred years um, uh, in the 1960s, 70s um, long before that time horses had become sort of not nearly as important for commerce And had become more companion animals, and so humane societies like Atlanta shifted their focus um, to really focusing on dogs and cats and and their issues. So um, we began the process of dealing with primarily dogs, stray dogs, and dogs that were in need of homes, and um, we have evolved over, you know, all that time frame to really address a wide range of animal issues. But uh, it's really interesting, a lot of the big humane societies in major cities around America all started in the, the late 1800s with this mission of, of of protecting horses, and we've all evolved into companion animal work.
1: In fact, I would imagine that most people would agree that horses are one of the species that uh, humans have become closest through, and, and closest to uh, over the centuries uh, possibly the millennium uh, I, I don't want to dwell too much on the social anthropology and our relationship with with cats and dogs but when we have looked back we, we have a distinct sense that uh, from virtually prehistoric before historical records were maintained be, in, in prehistoric times uh, man had created uh, uh, relationships with, with dogs uh, albeit uh, wild dogs the nature of that relationship is probably not unlike what it is today there would have been dogs that warned against saber toothed tigers if you will or some uh, impending uh, situation uh, that required uh, vigilance uh, companionship Uh, Dogs would have been intelligent enough to to find our our campfires, our caves, uh, and endear themselves to us uh, in a variety of ways. And so our relationship with dogs in particular uh, goes back for thousands of years. And cats, um, not too much longer after that, uh, cats were a little more aloof, and uh, we all know the term herding cats, um, uh, as a, um, a reference to how difficult it is to actually, um, get a cat to uh, sit down in one place and pay attention to you. But, uh, our relationship with cats and dogs and horses would, uh, invariably go back, uh, many centuries and, uh, and many thousands of years. And, uh, it's not surprising it's certainly not surprising to me that uh we would have uh reacted to deplorable conditions uh related to horses and that soon thereafter we realized that our best friends are our, our non-human best friends dogs and then cats are 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 a species that we should uh focus on and and and, and care for w- against that background um you have modern organizations like the Atlanta Humane Society that has, a, a, as I mentioned, an impressive array of programs uh, dedicated to helping uh, cats uh, and dogs find homes. Uh, you have dog training programs. You have uh, an animal admissions process I want to talk about. You have the transfer of, of these Homeless uh, animals or animals from shelter to shelter that a lot of people don't give any thought to. Many people are familiar with spaying and neutering programs because we know that the proliferation of wild cats and dogs uh, adds to the population that is at the core of the problem. Um, A lot of people may not know that you have a mobile spray and neuter program. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about your. Uh, heart h-e-a-r-t rescue program Um, you have a visiting pets program you actually and this is very very modern uh, you have a behavioral counseling program you have grief counseling and uh, and then i'll have you touch on the pet boutique if we have time but let's start out um, with with dog no let's probably take this in 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 somewhat of a natural order Tell us about the process for uh, animal admissions. I mean, how do animals get to the Atlanta Humane Society?
2: Well, you uh you ticked off a lot of uh a lot of fun topics. I'm looking forward to us kinda of covering these this morning. Um you know, I think um animals come through uh our doors uh seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. And they come from primarily uh, individuals, families who um, have uh, determined that they are no longer able to keep their their pet in their home. Um, We have people who um, have a dog or cat that has a litter and they decide that they can't deal with that, so they arrive on our doorsteps with a box full of puppies or kittens. Um, So they come from uh, the community. In <clears throat> Metro Atlanta, the stray dogs uh, that are roaming the streets; uh, those are uh, by ordinance to go to the municipal facility. So those dogs and cats are going to end up in the county shelters uh, that are run by the, the counties and the city. So uh, animals that come through our doors are primarily coming from homes uh, and individuals. So it's a it's a really uh, emotional place. Our admissions. Uh, desk is where we see a lot of drama play out every single day. Uh, there are often families that um, reach very gut-wrenching decisions about having to part with their pet. Um, you know, there are a lot of challenges when people are uh, economically pressed. You run into issues like uh, not being able to, if you lose your home and have to go to an apartment, not all apartments allow animals Uh family members uh, pass away and they have their beloved animals that can't be cared for by other family members. It's it just, you just see humanity playing out and animals are kind of caught in that web. So um, we are um, <clears throat> there as a resource for the community to be able to take care of these animals. Um, we take in 8,000 animals roughly a year. Um, we um, are able to place almost 100% of those animals every single year. So we have a, a really robust commitment to making sure that animals uh, have positive outcomes. Um, so there's a, a lot that goes on in those situations, and, and that's kind of the gist of how animals get into our facility. Uh,
1: I was um, reflecting on Katrina over the last few days, as many people were in. We're going to be taking a break, but when we come back, Cal, uh, would you tell us whether or not um, the Hurricane Katrina incident uh, uh, contributed to uh, a surge in uh, in animals that may have come with the uh, 100,000 people that were uh, relocated here in Atlanta? We're here with Cal Morgan, the president and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society. We're talking about the plight of uh, homeless animals or animals in need of uh, shelter And uh, rescue, in some cases, we'll be back to talk with Kel right after this break.
3: Don't be hoodwinked by the left, who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on
2: America's web radio.
3: The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects,
0: on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Hi, I'm Ray Bowman, hoping you'll join us each Friday at noon for our new show, Food and Farm, brought to you by FeedStuffsFoodLink.com, only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America'sWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the
1: Business Hour. We're talking with Kel Morgan, the president and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society. And we've been talking about the range of programs that the Humane Society here in Atlanta offers to uh, to folks who are trying to find places for their pets and to the very cats and dogs that are in need of uh, rescuing uh, or sheltering. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, animal rescue in, in, in just a moment as well. That's a timely topic. Uh, but. Back to uh, the admission of these animals, uh, I I am uh, wondering whether or not, uh, post-Katrina, did we see or did you see uh, an uptick in uh, admissions uh, of uh, cats and dogs?
2: You know, shelters all across the country uh, were affected by Katrina. Katrina was really considered to be a seminal event in animal welfare and and rescue. Um, I think all of us watched in horror the drama that played out there in louisiana where um <clears throat> people were forced to leave their animals in their home and and you know get on these rescue boats and so there was a huge mobilization of animal uh welfare groups that went went there and animals were were rescued and pulled out and and basically moved all over the country um along with people so it was a huge shuffling of uh of people and animals, uh, unprecedented actually. So um, here in Atlanta, we experienced an influx of animals. There were animals that eventually made their way here from the shelters that were set up temporarily in Louisiana. Um, We had um, sadly many, many animals, thousands of animals that were unable to be reunited with their owners. As a result of that, actually, the um, the F- uh, FEMA organization uh, has subsequently changed their whole protocol, and now anytime the Fed- federal government sets up an emergency response to a disaster, they have to provide human shelters and companion animal shelters. So that was a real positive that came out of a very negative situation there.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that. Um, I, I will um, share with our listeners that I, I happen to be one of those individuals um that has a relationship with with my dog. Um, we we have a uh, beautiful golden retriever that is very much a member of our family. She's she's somewhat like uh, our daughter and uh, as unnatural as anyone might uh, uh perceive that relationship to be, it it is what it is. We we love her dearly and it is very difficult for me to imagine ever having to leave her behind or to give her up and so When you talk about uh, the drama of uh, folks having to give up their pets uh, and admit them to uh, the Humane Society, I certainly can relate uh, to how gut-wrenching that might be. How about uh, transferring these animals, Uh, Kel? How do the animals get moved from one place to another?
2: Well, animal transfer is a... uh somewhat recent phenomenon in animal welfare, and one of the things that uh, we're able to do here in Atlanta is we're able to provide uh, an opportunity for animals primarily from rural parts of Georgia uh, to um, be transferred here and adopted uh, in the metropolitan area. There are a lot of people every single day who are looking for that perfect companion for their home. And um, <clears throat> sadly, there is not enough spay-neuter or animal welfare service in a lot of the rural parts of, of our state. So we actually now have about 75 partner organizations throughout Georgia that um, work with Atlanta Humane Society to, um, to move primarily puppies, uh, but sometimes uh, adult dogs and cats, from those um, shelters into Atlanta, and we're able to um, find homes for them, and um, and really uh, work in partnership with them to, to help them alleviate their terrible overcrowding conditions. And then locally, <clears throat> don't want to forget our local community here. We we also work with all the municipal shelters, all the county shelters, and. As I mentioned earlier, they also have a tremendous overpopulation. So we're able to take many, many animals. Uh, we, we go weekly to those facilities and bring animals into our uh, our shop so they can uh, find their forever homes. Uh, very rewarding.
1: Cal, you, you mentioned that uh, very often you're, you see uh, litters of uh, puppies or kittens uh, brought to the Humane Society. Uh, it's the perfect segue because... At the core of this uh, condition of uh, a population of pets that uh, are in need of a, a good home and temporary shelter is is uh, uh, cat and dog reproduction. And and you have a, uh, a, a an in-house spay and neuter program, uh, but you also have a mobile uh, sp- spay and neuter. Uh, uh, capability. Tell us a little bit about uh, spaying and neutering and the mobile uh, capability.
2: Yeah, the mobile spay-neuter spay neuter program is um, a really, really important asset to the organization and our ability to be able to really tackle this the big problem. We we're, our, our vision is we, we want to tackle the big problem of animal homelessness. And um, to do that, we've really got to get out there where the, the animals are and try to be proactive and do prevention. So this vehicle, uh, provided through the generosity of donors, is a fully equipped surgical hospital. Uh, it is out on a regular rotation to 17 rural counties uh, in Georgia. We go into these these communities where they have either little or no veterinary uh, service there, or they have very little access to um, to affordable uh, veterinary care, and we're able to go in there and. Um, Provide a uh, not only just the surgery but also uh, physical exams and vaccinations, <clears throat> and uh, you know some assessment by the veterinarians. Uh, and we we're able to do that for forty dollars. Um, and you know certainly people who can't afford it, um, uh, the fees are waived. So so we're really all about the mission of trying to reach these animals in these uh, communities. So. The mobile spaying neuter unit is a huge asset that we're able to use, and we, this year so far uh, in 2015, we've been able to to reach about 12,500 uh, animals through that program. So uh, it's a real fundamental of our uh, strategy to try and, and do more prevention.
1: 12,500, uh, I don't know that there's a uh, accurate way of uh, projecting. I guess you could average what the, what a litter might be. but. Uh, it would seem to me that that would be tens of thousands of animals which are prevented from becoming homeless or or are in need of sheltering. And uh, in just a few years, that would add up to hundreds of thousands of uh, animals. So, yes, I could imagine that your spay and neuter program, both uh, in the facility here in Atlanta at one of your two uh, locations or the mobile unit in particular, has got to be uh, just... Uh, truly instrumental in helping to cut, uh, down that, uh, that growing population of, uh, potentially homeless animals. Um, let's, uh, segue to your, uh, H-E-A-R-T, your, your heart rescue
2: program. Yeah. Our heart rescue is, um, <coughs> excuse me, something that, excuse me, is, um, probably one of the, um, most visible uh, things that we do, um, uh, because it typically is deployed during um, situations where we either have a disaster, whether we have um, a law enforcement action, a puppy mill situation, a hoarder situation, or um, a dog fighting investigation. Um, It's a real asset also to helping animals that are really in a crisis situation. So uh, it's a fully equipped, also a self-contained uh, mobile vehicle that's able to be deployed um, along with a trained team of individuals to um, to get out in in the field in various places and be able to do rescue and cruelty uh, in investigation. So we actually on our heart rescue vehicle we have some cool stickers from different places we've been, and certainly it was at Katrina and played a vital role in helping rescue and shelter animals there, and it's responded, uh, our team has responded all over the southeast uh, to uh, various natural disasters and situations like that. Um, we are um, regularly called uh, throughout the course of the year by national groups and law enforcement groups to, to come and support or help them lead uh, these kinds of things. Um, you know, These are truly times when animals are in jeopardy and in crisis. And so we I have a great team. We have uh, veterinary uh, staff, technicians, vet techs, uh, trained rescue and shelter people uh, who can get into the field, assess situations, deal with animals in crisis, and um, get them safely um, out of those situations
1: we We won't drill down just yet, but I do want to mention to our listeners that uh The Atlanta Humane Society has very, very recently played an instrumental role in rescuing uh, a a number of uh, puppies from a a puppy mill, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. I, I, I want to go through and have you tell us a little bit about your your visiting pets program and the behavior counseling, uh, your your pet boutique, and and uh, and dog training. Uh, uh, is there one of those topics we can spend uh, just a few seconds on before we take a break because I want to come back and, and, and cover all these really critical areas.
2: Yeah, let me just hit uh, you know dog training, which is an important component of what we do. And actually I tell people it's not dog training at all, it's, it's human training uh, because we really want to make sure that animals can stay in homes if people can manage their behaviors. And so our whole focus is training all of us as people to read uh, read the signals, respond, and work with our animals to behave the way we need them to behave uh, when they're in our homes.
1: We're, um, well, as I mentioned, we're going to be taking a break, but I will say that uh, through the years uh, I have a background uh, uh, in working with uh, children uh with a variety of mental and psychological uh conditions challenges if you will mm-hmm. and i found that a lot of what i learned in working with uh, children uh which is to say uh, at the lowest functioning end of the spectrum you you have to learn to read the signals you have to learn to relate to them in a way that they understand mm-hmm. you have to show them love and affection they can hear it in your voice uh, and you have to take control in some cert- in some situations. Uh, and um, w- when you do these things, uh, n- no doubt about it, uh, it's the humans learning how to relate to the, the animals, but it can make all the difference in the world. We're going to take a break. We're here with Cal Morgan, the uh, president and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society. We'll be back with Cal right after this break.
3: Thank you.
0: Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables,
1: fruits, and herbs.
3: Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out, and when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF. It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com.
0: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Cal Morgan, the President and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society. And on one hand, we're, we're uh, leveraging this overview of the Atlanta Humane Society as a, uh, uh, a microcosm of uh, the good work that uh, humane societies across the country and, for that matter, around the world, but primarily here in the United States where uh, we have humane societies like Atlanta's own humane society uh, that have grown to become quite sophisticated and, uh, and require uh, the uh, m- management by someone like El Morgan. And we've been talking about the range of programs, uh, just the range of programs and the people associated with these programs would be cause for uh, needing uh, a good chief executive officer. Before the break, we talked about uh, admissions and Spain and neutering and the H uh, E A R T Heart Rescue Program. Um, let's talk about. Um, you have a a visiting pets program.
2: We do. You know, um, we there's tremendous amount of research that tells us that seniors who are in senior living situations, people who are in nursing and convalescent situations, people who are in hospitals, um, benefit greatly from interaction with, with companion animals. They don't even have to be their own animals. Uh, we we know there's some great stories, and many of us, I'm sure, have read them on the Internet and other places about uh, animals that, that provide just a tremendous amount of comfort to people uh, who are in, in convalescing or end-of-life situations. So, um, we have a variety of volunteer-run programs. These are uh, <clears throat> completely run by dedicated volunteers who go to a variety of, of places, like I mentioned, um, every single week uh, throughout the year. And they take shelter dogs um, who are able to go in and, and visit with uh, patients who are recovering in a cancer ward or a variety of places. And um, we all know, and, and as I said earlier, that... Uh, research is overwhelming, that that is a uh, positive experience that helps in their recovery. So we, uh, we do that uh, on a regular basis. There are so many areas where animals uh, provide uh, comfort and uh, well-being, a sense of well-being uh, to all of us. You know, there's, there's also great research that says if you have a companion animal uh, in your home, you tend to have lower blood pressure. Uh, you tend to have a better psychological outlook, and so the old thing, you know, animals make us better people. I think is is very true here.
1: I um, I think that's a tremendous uh, uh, benefit to these folks who uh, who are comforted. Uh, I know that. Uh, before our current uh, dog uh, Tessie, uh, who was a rescue dog that we got from uh, the Adopt a Golden Atlanta, I'm going to give them a tip of the hat uh, for doing such a great job. In fact, they're uh, taking a number of dogs that they're uh, they're bringing to the United States from Turkey uh, in mm-hmm. in waves, and uh, you are probably very familiar with uh, with that process uh, and. Uh, um, they deserve a great deal of credit. Uh, they are trying to find homes for these golden retrievers. Before our current dog, Tessie, we had Bree, another golden retriever, who was who was born to provide comfort, as many dogs are. You know, the temperament of uh, the vast majority of dogs is uh, one of... Uh, uh, giving love and affection, uh, having a short-term memory of something bad happens to them. Uh, they still come around to uh, uh, loving you and uh, to expressing uh, love and affection and, and, and kindness toward perfect strangers. So uh, she was uh, very good at that. And then uh, our uh, more recent dog, Tessie, uh, was a little more high-spirited. And in time, she'll, uh, she'll relax and be... Uh, uh, a dog that we might be able to uh to work with and 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 have her be a uh, a visiting pet but uh I applaud that program behavior counseling and we talked about dog training being uh, uh in essence behavioral training for for owners uh but it is the behavior counseling program uh, specifically for uh, animals that uh, may need some modification
2: it is you know i um, <clears throat> One of the things that we focus on a lot now in sheltering across the country in our industry is is um, teaching behaviors that are positive behaviors that will um, help animals uh, adjust better uh, in homes. So, particularly animals that come out of um, <clears throat> bad situations or puppy mills or a variety of places, uh, they have to learn a lot of things that you and I might have taught our, uh, our dog or cat uh, from an early age. Maybe not cats, now that I'm saying it.
1: Or kids. Uh,
2: cats, are, cats train us to yes. what they want. But, um, uh, you know, helping them understand um, that there are some basic things that will really enhance that, um, that relationship. Um, so we, we do um, training inside our shelter, with uh, potential dogs that are going to go into homes. So we um, work with them. We have uh, volunteers who are trained to uh, do behavior, uh, basic obedience. And so uh, that helps um, when you come to see the animals at the Land Humane Society. We want them to be well-behaved and and respond to basic commands. And that will really help you when you take them home and, and have a positive outcome. We also work with problem children. Um, you know, on an as-needed basis. So people can certainly, if you are struggling today with a talk that's just a little bit tough to handle, you're certainly welcome to contact us. Look, Go to org and uh, you can get some information on how to get, um, get some help with that.
1: You know, I might add that uh, people, uh, a lot of us are not at all amazed by the, uh, uh, intelligence of, of of pets, dogs in particular, uh, m- but uh, I think a lot of other folks would be uh, quite amazed at the one the uh, the intellect uh, of dogs and the capacity to learn, and two the resilience of 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 dogs uh, who may have been mistreated uh, and are or f- for whatever reason are maybe uh, too aggressive, but yet can actually be uh, worked with. To become docile, uh, loving, caring, affectionate, well-behaved uh, dogs, uh, and I Absolutely. think people forget that. Um, l- let's move on to to, to grief counseling, uh, Cal. Uh, uh, it was only the last couple of decades that grief counseling was a, uh, a dimension to uh, hospice care and to to counseling for for people. Uh, it was a natural evolution that we would extend that to uh, to pets.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think um, you know when we do surveys of people and their attitudes towards animals, uh, two things we know: one is two thirds of Americans have companion animals in their homes, so those numbers are huge. If you ask the second question, do you consider your your companion animal a member of your family? The overwhelming majority of us say absolutely yes. I, I think, listen to you talk about your golden; um, it's really clear she's an important part of your family. Uh, we have two cats at our, our house, and they are um, equally important, and we consider them in all, all the family matters. Um, so when we lose one of those family members, uh, it's a tremendous difficulty. We, we uh, all know if we have lost an animal that it's a very difficult experience to go through. Not everyone understands it. There's a grief process. And so there are people who really, uh, on a regular basis, take advantage of our, our grief counseling program, and it's an opportunity. We don't provide what I would consider to be a sophisticated uh, psychotherapy, but what we do is we give people an opportunity to get together under the guidance of a trained professional and talk about their feelings and the, the value that their animal uh, was in their life uh, and things like that. So, um, you know, we really try... Atlanta Humane Society to cover the gamut, the wide range of uh, needs for both animals and people who care about those animals. So it's, um, it's one of a, a pretty wide array of things that we do. But, um, you know, on its surface, it might seem like a small thing, but when you are in that situation and you really feel that it would help you, we want you to be able to take advantage of that.
1: I... I know that uh, m- some years back we had a, uh, a pet growing up, uh, uh, a, a beautiful uh, mutt who is uh, in the uh, hound uh, family of dogs, a copper-colored, uh, short-haired uh, dog that uh, we called Penny, and Penny, who had some lassie uh, dog-like characteristics and uh, was truly the sixth member of our family when she passed away, uh, it was the first uh, family uh, member of our, certainly the nuclear family, but also our extended family uh, that had passed away, and uh, there was a, a major void, and, and the family was just quiet for a few days. Um, we could have benefited uh, from a program, uh, some grief counseling, and I would imagine, that particularly with small children who don't understand uh, The cruel hoax that uh, nature has played on us where the lives of these lovely creatures are are so much shorter uh, than the lives of humans. And so uh, you don't have them uh, around for too long. And uh, I would imagine that uh, lots of people, and again, children in particular, who just don't understand um, when they feel that loss, the grief counseling could really be very helpful. Pet boutique. uh, Tell us about your pet boutique.
2: You know, um, when people come to our facility and they find that perfect member of their family, um, they um, often don't have a thing to get them started, um, and so we we would never consider ourselves to be in competition with a pet a pet retailer. But uh, we certainly are able to provide uh, items that will get you off to a good start and the, the things that you need once you're you. Um, have decided on that perfect animal you want to adopt. So uh, it's a way for us not only to um, provide the service, but it also is a way for uh, people to um, <clears throat> help us with our mission. You know, I, we haven't talked about it, but Land and Humane Society does not receive any public funding whatsoever from government or other sources. It's truly, we are truly uh, in business seven days a week because of the, the care uh, of people. Anytime uh, people have an opportunity to um, get something they need and support the Humane Society at the same time, it's kind of a win-win situation.
1: In fact, Cal, um, we can talk about that a little bit because you just um, uh, gave us an overview of a range of programs that uh, are, are, are all in need of some funding. Uh, and when we come back after the break, I want you to take a, just a moment Uh, It's not something that you and I had talked about in advance, but uh, I'd like to have you share with us ways that uh, people might be able to contribute uh, and tell us a little bit about uh, the nature of funding, whether it's uh, generous individuals or generous corporations, um, because you did mention that there is no public funding, and uh, uh, I think there are some folks out there who who might want to contribute. We're here with Cal Morgan, the uh, president and CEO of the Atlanta Humane uh, Society. We'll be back with Cal right after this break.
3: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com.
2: My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from
0: Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them
2: no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on
0: you, the patient, and not the computer. You're listening to America's AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Cal Morgan, the President and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society, and Cal has been offering an overview of the many programs that the Atlanta Humane Society uh, offers to the public, and yet the public uh, doesn't fund, or at least there are no public sources of funding for the Atlanta Humane Society. Cal, um, tell us, is it—is it, is it uh, generous individuals, generous corporations, um, what's the source of funding, and, and, and if there are listeners out there that are interested, can they go to the website and learn about making, learn more about making a contribution?
2: Yeah, as you said, Ron, we didn't, we didn't plan on uh, covering this, but I, I'm happy to, to share, because I think it's important for people to understand that I think um, a lot of times there's a misconception that somehow the Humane Society is uh, kind of funded by our tax dollars, and um, that's just not the case. And we, um, we try to provide a wide range, not only of programs and services, but a wide range of opportunities for people to, to support us financially. Uh, we try to make it easy. We try to make it fun. We try to make it uh, meaningful. So uh, certainly landhumane.org is the, the answer spot for all kinds of things, how you can become involved. Um, actually, right now, um, for at least a, a few more days, we have a, a, a generous donor who has agreed to triple match anyone who ma- makes a contribution online, um, I believe, through the end of August. So um, certainly if anyone wants to take advantage of that, you can give $100, and they will give 300 as a match. So um, that's that's just an extraordinary individual who has the capacity to do that. Uh, we have fun things. We have the Walk for Animals coming up on October 18th at Atlantic Station. Uh, we're asking people to, to uh, go to ahswalkforanimals.org. You can register there, create a family team or a work place team, and uh, raise some dollars and come out and walk your dogs at uh, Atlantic Station. Um, that's going to be an exciting event. We have a whole lot of things like that that people can uh, get involved in uh, you mentioned corporate. The corporate community is made up of individuals just like us who care about animals in every single workplace. So uh, companies and, and groups of employees do fundraisers all the time. They they uh, have casual day on Friday and they all chip in five bucks and send the money to help the animals. They they do uh, uh, drives for our wish list. So we have a whole range of things that we need inside the shelter that are sort of tangible, easy things. Um, some people collect newspapers, which we put in the kennels, you know, for the puppy pens. So there's a whole uh, different way where everyone can get involved. We have a program for kids called Club Paws. So a lot of kids nowadays, is a great trend, actually. Um, we're, we're seeing more and more children who um, are deciding for their birthday or for their bar mitzvah or bad mitzvah or special occasion they're, they're saying bring an item that we can take to Atlanta Humane Society bring, bring something from the wish list or hey let's um, instead of buying gifts let's uh, give, give a donation to the Humane Society a lot of that is happening these days and I just think it's a wonderful thing for, for young people to be doing so um, many many ways to do it uh, the need is great we're open 365 days a year as I said we never close our doors on animals in need
1: you know, there's a, a heart, a graphic uh, of a heart in the uh, logo of the uh, as part of the identity of the Humane Society. And, and I would say at the core of what is going on is, is the love uh, for animals. Uh, there's a commercial campaign for a particular automobile out there uh, that aligns itself with love. I would say that the Humane Society is very much aligned with love and specifically the love of cats and dogs. Uh, and this individual who's matching funds, uh, or, or rather actually doubling the contribution to, to, to make it uh, uh, three times the uh, original contribution, uh, has got to be a lover of uh, animals, uh, thanks to that individual. Uh, you have a young persons group also, that uh, uh, a young professionals organization uh, that uh, is dedicated to supporting the Atlantic Union Society as well?
2: Yeah, I didn't mention that, and it's it's uh, a great thing. Uh, it's a it's a place where twenty, thirty somethings can uh, get together. Uh, they take their name from um, from our year of founding, 1873. So they call themselves the 1873 Society, and um, their goal is to create a <clears throat> benefit to the humane society while creating uh, social uh, opportunities for young professionals. So. Um, we have a really vibrant group of, of folks uh, who um, live in the city and also in the burbs who uh, plan regular uh, social gatherings, and then they have uh, you know different ways that they raise money for the Humane Society. A lot of times they'll take on a project, and let's say we need a new <coughs> excuse me a new transport vehicle, they will uh, they'll commit to raising money for those things. So uh, if there are young professionals who are interested in that, certainly go to our uh, website and click on
1: 1873 Society. And and love, uh, love to um, another uh, tip of the hat, and that would be to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who is your partner um, with the AJC Pet of the Week. Tell us about uh, Pet of the Week and also your Underdog and Catch of the Week uh, program.
2: Well, you know, um, one of the things that we try and do is, uh, because every animal... Days with the Atlanta Humane Society until it finds a home, uh, and there's never a time limit. We we try to find ways to showcase what we'd call the the harder to adopt animals. Um, we know that adult cats are not as popular for adoption as say um, adult dogs. Uh, ad- adult dogs that are large uh, typically don't adopt as fast as smaller dogs do. So uh, the AJC is a great uh, resource for us. They've been donating this for many, many years. The relationship goes back literally decades and decades where the AJC has supported Atlanta Humane Society uh, by providing a free place for us to showcase these maybe harder to adopt animals. And the other programs are are utilized through our social media. So we're always trying to find ways for people to see and hear a great story about a particular uh, dog or cat that might be harder to place and i'll just share one quick uh, story we were all excited in our uh, organization a week ago there was a dog um, named kevin who was a big uh big hound dog uh not the prettiest dog in the world by by any stretch um kevin was with us 17 months and uh, we tried our best over and over again to to showcase kevin and um after 17 months, just the right family came along and said, you know, Kevin works perfectly for us. We love, we love him. We want to bring him into our home. So there's a lot of celebration going on when you've uh, bonded with a dog in your shelter for 17 months, and, and he gets to go home to a permanent place. And they said uh, the first two days he was at his new home, they, uh, they called us. And we were checking in on Kevin, and they said, Kevin... Literally frolicked all day long. That's the word they use in our backyard, rolling in the grass and smelling, smelling everything, and and playing with their other dog. And um, you know that's the kind of power uh, that that comes from really never giving up on an animal.
1: Right, and 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 actually, um, that would seem to be the right term for a dog who's experiencing. Uh, uh, the new love of a family and and uh, and uh, a situation like that frolicking uh, you have uh, a number of other programs. I think we're going to save some of these uh, uh, for uh, a separate uh, segment, but you have uh, educational programs dedicated to families. you offer pet care tips, you offer emergency and disaster uh, preparation uh, you you help uh, kids and teens to better understand uh, their pets. Uh, you have a lost pets program and uh, I want to turn for a moment to you uh, Kevin they don't really offer as of yet uh, programs uh, undergraduate or graduate in the management of uh, humane treatment for animals uh, as a college course or majors but how does one get to where you are professionally
2: well, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky guy, and I, I'm very thankful every day to be able to go to work and do the kind of things that I'm able to do um, professionally to help animals in our community. Um, I, have a, uh, I have a business background. Um, I'm not an animal uh, expert. I'm not a, uh, someone who worked in an animal environment. Um, my whole career, starting from uh, day one, has been working in the nonprofit world, started off as in the financial arena and then uh, was able to move into fundraising because i really enjoyed interacting with people and uh worked for a number of years uh for some other causes and 15 years ago i was approached about the humane society in michigan and um my first response was look i, I don't know how shelters operate um i love animals but i don't know how they operate and uh Humane Society said, look, we need a leader who can help us chart a course forward and help us manage the organization. So uh, we have lots and lots of people who are animal experts in our organization who can do these training courses and teach people about proper pet care and veterinary care and so on. My role, uh, and I'm so excited to be able to do it, is to bring business and leadership to the organization, and uh, I think that's what... um, the key is is all of us play an important role mine is, uh, is primarily in, in that arena and all the other folks all the way down to the people in the field who rescue animals and get them out of the bad situations well, we all you, play a role.
1: you certainly play a very pivotal role in, in that process, Kevin. And uh, the Atlanta Humane Society is lucky to have you. And uh, I appreciate that you took the time to come on to the program. Um, I, I might add that uh, uh, in America, we spend an estimated $60 billion in the pet industry. And I, I wish some of that money or more of that money was uh, directed toward our homeless uh, cats and dogs. We've been with Cal Morgan, the president and CEO of the Atlanta Humane Society. Thank you again, Cal.
2: It's my pleasure to be here, and thanks for having
1: me, Ron. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the radio next
0: week. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.